Since the dawning of time, when man first made grunts and carried clubs, people have sought out the perfect podcast. Well, this isn't it. But what we lack in quality, we certainly make up for in having a good time. So grab your dog, settle in, and get your listening snacks ready, because it's time to hear the fat man rant. There's no telling what he'll say, and there's a 10% chance that some of it might even be true. From telling stories to railing against anything and everything that upsets him. Coming to you from a secluded closet deep within Morlock Manor in the prestigious Wombat Estate subdivision, the Fat Man rants tonight. Well, I gotta tell you now, it sure is a good day here in Wombat Estate. The sun's shining, just a little bit of a breeze. The temperature's not, you know... Just melting everything on the planet. It's a really good day at the Wombat Estates. However, we got one problem. One thing I'm going to let y'all know about right now. Uh, the neighbors are uh, flipping a house. So you may hear some hammers and saws and things like that. But that's stuff a little beyond beyond my control. So uh, actually the workers are pretty good guys. I've, uh, I've talked to them a couple times when I've been coming and going. So, uh, But yeah. So it's Sunday, 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 September 20th of 2020. Uh, like I said, great day in Wombat Estates. Hope all you folks are having a good weekend. Uh, college football kicked off just yesterday. Well, I mean, technically it kicked off the week before, but I don't think those games really counted. Um, so yeah, we got everybody, I hope everybody's got their laundry done. Got uh, got the got the work week coming up. Hope, hope you good folks got your laundry done. Uh, got a pretty good show for you today, or at least I think so. Um, gonna have some of our normal segments, and then I'm gonna talk to you about a very strange individual by the name of Sir Alfred, and some of you will say, hey, that story sounds familiar, and if it does, I'll explain why when we get to that portion of the show, but for right now, just settle in, kick back, and, uh, we're gonna take care of some, uh, news and, uh, some, uh, updates and sort of house cleaning from our previous uh, shows. got some tragic news to report. Uh, we've had a death here in Morlock Manor. Uh, the one and only Ralph S. Mouse has uh, left us. Uh, there has been nobody confirmed. I have not found a body, but uh, shortly after our last show, I was sitting there and uh, he had paid no attention to the poison. He used to just walk around it. And I had noticed that when he eats, he likes to eat the tiny crumbs. So I took the block, it's called Final is the brand name on it, and uh, I actually crunched it up into a bunch of little tiny crumb-sized particles for him. And uh, yeah, that was that was his undoing. Um, 
I actually sat and for about 10 minutes watched him eat that stuff up. Oh, he was loving it. I mean, he it was like, you know, Taco Tuesday in his world. And he just sat there. He ate a lot of it. And if there were any other mice around, I think they ate too because... Overnight, the little pile of crumbs that I put out, I put out two, two, two small piles of crumbs. Both of them had just been, I mean, it was like a salad bar at the Ricky Martin concert. It had been picked over. So, yeah, I think we lost little Ralph this, this week. Um, pretty sure he went and died in his little Ralph bed and all that. Uh, he, he, he didn't even get to ride his motorcycle one more time, so... But I just wanted to, you know, kind of do that as part of house cleaning to, you know, bring everybody up to date on the saga of Ralph S. Mouse. I think that pretty much ends that story there. So, you know, I just wanted to let you all know about that. And uh, hopefully none of his ancestors will come visit me in my dreams or in my house or anything like that. So, yes, once again, I'd like to take this time to announce the death of Ralph S. Mouse. Y'all get ready now. He's going to bitch about something. That's right, kindly old grandma lady. I am going to bitch about something today. That's right. It's time for that. It's Bitch of the Week. I've been holding this one back for a while because I've been afraid it might offend some people. But today, I've kind of reached the point that I just have to let it fly. So here's what I'm going to bitch about today. The single mom card. I've worked a few different customer service jobs and acted as a supervisor in many instances. Part of that, of course, is taking the escalated or complaint calls. These are where the Karens of the world request to speak to the supervisor slash manager, and sadly, most companies allow that, and some even go so far as to actually reward them for doing so, thus feeding their sense of entitlement and essentially encouraging their bad behavior. Now, whether it's insurance or cable TV or internet service providers, basically anything that charges money and sends out a bill, you're going to have people get behind on their bill. Now, cable TV and internet customers are the worst because the cust I'm sorry, the company will actually allow them to remain a little bit behind yet not disconnect services. They'll call you and give you every reason under the sun why they can't pay their bill. And by the way, just uh state this, this was all pre-COVID. This has nothing to do with what we're facing right now. But, uh, you know, they got laid off. They didn't get their alimony or child support or my favorite. And yes, they actually use this as a valid reason why they can't pay their bill. It was the holidays and I had to buy gifts for my kids. And they never seem to understand that when you lose your job or when your money is tight, that's when you actually voluntarily cancel luxury services like cable TV and you drop your internet down to the bare bones package so that you're maintaining just enough service to, you know, help you look for jobs online and things like that. They just never seem to understand that concept. And so here's where I would sit. They're on the phone. They're telling their story about why they can't pay. I'd sit there and just let them rant and rave and go on and on. The longer the better because that's just 
me not having to do anything but sit there and let it go in one ear and out the other. Sometimes I'd take notes and point out, you know, pertinent phrases they'd used and things like that. And once they'd finished, I'd say some sort of BS canned pleasantry, such as, well, I can certainly see where that might be a cause for concern, or, yeah, I understand, sometimes budgeting and finances can be a little tight. And then you can feel it coming. I mean, you can almost hear me drawing in air to lower the boom. And then I, then it comes. But it looks like you have a past due balance of A, B, C, X, Y, Z. Then there's silence. They're trying to think of their next move or phrase, but there's nothing they can really say. So the first idiotic thing that pops into their head, which about 80% of the time is, I don't owe that much money. So then I ask them if they've got their uh, bill handy, and they say, yes, they've got their bill handy. I say, you know, I point out, okay, you know, these are your dates of service, and point out that they were billed, let's keep the math simple, they're billed, say, you know, 150 And then I point out that they only paid $100 so that they could avoid disconnect, thus leaving a balance of 50 that carried over to the next billing cycle, which naturally puts their account past due. And, you know, they all of a sudden act as though that $50 is just inconsequential and not really applicable to the situation. I mean, sometimes they act as though they don't even know it. And they go on and on about this and reiterate again why they couldn't pay the bill. And then they want to pay just the past due amount. And some companies will let them do that without disconnecting their services. So they want to pay just the past due amount. I explained they can do that, but the remainder of the balance will carry over to the next month, and of course it will be added to that month's normal billing charges, and then the bill will have snowballed, you know, to almost three months worth of billing, and they may face disconnection. And then here comes the whale of the Karens. I mean... Oh, they just, this is their proclamation. You hear the silence, and then then they bust it out. But I'm a single mom. Can't you give me a break? Now somehow, somewhere, these ladies have come to believe that if they tell people that they're a single mom, the rules, regulations, and pricing guidelines just don't apply to them. I guess they think that if they just utter those magic words, all debt and penalties are simply voided. And I can't do what I'd like to do, and that is ask them, so, you know, when you go to Target and reach the checkout counter, does the cashier hit some special button that gives you a discount because you're a single mom? Or when you're, you know, you're dining out at, say, Chili's, does the server bring you the bill, look at you, wink, and say, oh, you're a single mom? Never mind, it's free. You know, I don't know why they would ever assume that just because they play the single mom card that they'd be entitled to any discounts or preferential treatment. Yet, for some reason, they often do. So then they rant and rave and talk about how we're ripping the customers off, we're a scam. I just let them go on and on again because all I gotta do is sit there and let it go in one ear and out the other. Then... 
I say I I let them have their spiel. Like I said, the longer the better. And uh, then I say the one thing that's totally professional, congenial, but it's guaranteed to break their spirit because they've been they've been ragging on me for fifteen twenty minutes by this point. So I let them have their say, and oh, they you know they just weave a tapestry of you know woe and gloom and how you know. Again, our industry is horrible and out to, uh, you know, ruin ruin the world. So then, my favorite phrase of all to kind of just, like I said, just breaks their spirit. Will you be paying with credit card, debit card, or electronic check draft this afternoon? And you can hear the aneurysm start to bulge in their head. And sometimes they resort to crying as though that's going to, you know, magically reduce the balance they owe. Sometimes, you know, they even set themselves up for more punishment. They throw out the line of, well, I just won't pay my bill. And that's when I get to inform them the following. Well, I certainly can't force you to pay your bill, but I can tell you that if payment is not made, services will be scheduled for interruption on date X. And if the services are disconnected, you would need to pay the balance in full and a possible deposit in order to reinstate your services. Is is there anything else I can help you with today? And then, then there's silence. And well, there's not silence. Sometimes they they grunt and they gnash their teeth and everything. And then I get to hear my magic words. Ugh. Let me get my credit card. So that's kind of the way it works and all that. And depending on who you work for, sometimes you can be more vicious than others. Cable TV and internet providers want you to be nice and empathetic and all of that. But when you work for an insurance company, there is no mercy. Insurance companies want their money and the lapse dates are more often than not defined by statutes rather than company policies or guidelines. No quarter is given here because we're talking about state insurance laws, not not private company policies. Oh, and with insurance, when they when they play the single mom card and ask if there's any way I can give them any kind of single mom discount, and yes, they ask that quite often. I actually turn the knife a little and point out, as is my fiduciary responsibility as it pertains to a rating factor. I point out and say, well, actually, the fact that you are single potentially increases your premium because in most instances, married policyholders pay less in premium than uh, single people. Again, you can hear the aneurysm swell. So there you have it, folks. That was my bitch of the week. And don't worry, I never run out of them. So we'll have plenty more coming for you in the following weeks. Some of you know what that theme music means. It means it's time for This Day in History. 
Now, I told you guys a few shows back that some days there wouldn't be a whole lot happening on a particular date in history, and let me tell you, September 20th is one of them. September 20th must be somewhere, it must be a do-nothing day for pretty much the whole world going back. I only have a few items for you, though, so this is going to be a pretty short, uh, pretty short segment, uh, on this day, September 20th, 1850. Uh, that's 1850. Uh, slave trade is abolished in the District of Columbia. In 1934, Bruno Hauptmann was arrested for the kidnapping and murder of the Lindbergh baby. Now, I'm going to throw in a little bit of trivia here for you. Uh, the man in charge of the... Uh, investigation for the uh, New Jersey State Police, I believe it was New Jersey, uh, was actually the father of General Norman Schwarzkopf. I didn't know if you guys knew that or not, but he was the actual man in charge of that. Now, I don't know what his official title was. It was, I think it would be kind of like being the head of the state police, if I had to, you know, venture a guess. I think that's what it was, but I do know that he was in charge of the, uh, the entire investigation. Again, that was the father of General Norman Schwarzkopf, Storm and Norman. And in 1952, uh, scientists confirmed that DNA holds hereditary data. So yeah, our double helix coil, and uh, they determined that it holds your hereditary information. And then one I'm actually uh, old enough to remember, in 1973 on this day, the Battle of the Sexes occurred with, between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs at the Houston Astrodome. Uh, man, that was really played up in the media, and I think the ratings on it were just outrageously high. Um, I know Billie Jean King won, but now I'm not sure, and if somebody wants to research this and get back to me, again, uh, rantings of the fat man at yahoo.com. Uh, if somebody wants to, like I said, research this and get back to me, but I think he had to play with a handicap. I may be wrong, but I think he had to cover the entire court, including the doubles alley. Now, I may be wrong on that. I know I saw that once on another show where it was a man versus woman. It was another uh, program about a tennis match, man versus woman. And, like I said, the man was playing under a handicap that he had to cover the entire court, including the doubles lanes. So, uh, if I'm incorrect, and it was not the uh, King Rings match, please, somebody let me know. And that's rantings of the fat man at yahoo.com. And that was in 73. In 77, uh, kind of ties into a show we had a might have been the no it wasn't the last show it was a show prior uh, about the rock apes of vietnam um in 1977 now if you remember in uh, the show about the rock apes i talk about how uh the the vietnam war essentially ended especially you know america's involvement in 1975 with the fall of saigon when we had already pulled out and then just a scant two years later in 77 on september 20th uh, the Socialist Republic of Vietnam is admitted to the United Nations, so they gained full recognition 
on this date in uh, 1977. In 2000, uh, the British MI6 Intelligence Service building in London was attacked by an unified group using RPG-22 RPG anti-tank missile. Now, in one of the Bond films, I can't remember which one it is, uh, it shows the their new building there on the Thames. It shows it being blown up. And I don't know if that was in reference to this attack or not. But I uh, just always, you know, always liked that scene. And I, I don't remember which Bond it was in. I think it's one of the, uh, one of the, one of the new guys. Uh, uh, I can't think of his name. Um, yeah, I know, poor preparation. Uh, anyway, you guys know who I'm talking about. And I'll think I'll think of it as soon as this segment's over and I'm through recording it. But uh, yeah, and really, I think no. In 2008, um, we had a uh, truckload, a uh, truckload of explosives detonated by the Marriott Hotel in Islamabad, Pakistan. I remember that. It killed 45 and injured 226. And that was in 2008. And that's going to wrap it up this time for uh, this date in history. Like I said, wasn't much going on. So that's all for this date in history. And I'll hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, next time we record, it'll fall on a date that's got more activity in it. Let's talk about some stupid people. Now, these aren't necessarily uh, recent events. This kind of goes back over the annals of idiocy. So, uh, we'll go ahead and get started with that. Uh, a student at Penn State University charged a fellow student with breach of contract after he failed a test that she had hired him to take for her. It was an oddball business arrangement, said Corporal Dana Leonard. The woman reported the incident to try to get back a $1,200 stereo unit she said she had paid the student for taking the exam. University officials said that the students both faced expulsion and up to a year in prison and a $2,500 fine for violating state laws against selling academic work. So there was your first idiot of the week. Uh, William Holyfield. 35-year-old man, uh, checked into a downtown Hilton Hotel in Portland, Oregon. Uh, he paid cash for one night's lodging, and he tried to pay for a second night's stay, but uh, he was told that the hotel was booked up because of a convention and that his credit card was no good. According to police spokesman Henry Grepper, Holyfield refused to give up his room, announcing that he planned to stay there until the year 2049. When security guards tried to remove him, he climbed out his window using knotted bedsheets as a rope to lower himself to the ground. But instead of making a successful escape, he fell three floors, suffering a head injury and multiple broken bones. And to top that, 
uh, in France. A passenger traveling aboard a high-speed train from Paris to Toulouse dropped his wallet, you ready for this, dropped his wallet down a chemical toilet. Reaching in to scoop up the toilet, I'm sorry, to scoop up the wallet, and wound up with his hand stuck in the bowl. Uh, he hit the emergency alarm just thinking that it would, you know, trigger an attendant to come help him. But what it did was it was actually the uh, emergency brake as well, and the train came to a, a very abrupt halt. Um, unable to free his hand, rescue workers spent two hours cutting the toilet out of the floor, then sent the man to the hospital with the toilet bowl wrapped around his arm. So, I don't know how much money he had in that wallet. It had to have been a lot, because if it's less than 30,000, if it's less than 30 grand, I'm not reaching in the blue chemical toilet. It's just not happening. Uh, Barry Lynn Stoller, then 38, of Kent, Washington, wrote the makers of Xlax, claiming that the product didn't work and demanded reimbursement of the $1.99 that he paid. Uh, the New Jersey-based Sandoz Corporation immediately issued a refund, but when they were going to issue the amount of the refund, they mistook the amount and they used his zip code as the amount of the refund. So after the error was discovered, uh, King County authorities found that Stoller had deposited a check for $98,002. He withdrew the money and left the area and was never heard of again. And Wayne, I'm sorry, David Wayne Godin, 22, returning home from his bachelor party in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, uh, his vehicle plunged into a lake. He drowned after being unable to swim to the surface because of the weight of a ball and chain attached to his leg by friends at the bachelor party. Now, I'm going to go ahead and raise the BS flag on that specific incident because I have heard that reported three or four times so in various cases. So, I, you know, and, I, and you know it didn't happen four times in, in real life. You know there, there's not four people that stupid or even three. Well, okay, maybe three. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm just not, uh, just not feeling it. Just not feeling it at all. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not buying that one. And that's pretty much our parade of idiots for the day. Thank you to everyone who participated and made this, uh, made this segment possible. Uh, hopefully they, you know, learned something from their mistakes. Not certain, but if they did or didn't, doesn't really matter. All right, all right, all right. Now, I'm sure I was saying that long before Mr. McConaughey was even born. Because I've been saying that since I was like five or six. So, I'm going to continue to say it. And people are going to say, Oh, you heard Matthew McConaughey say that in some movie. No, I didn't. I've never seen the movie. But I swear I was saying that long before Matthew McConaughey came on this planet. So, I'm going to keep up with it. It's... It, it's my it's my catchphrase, not his. I I should get about fifteen dollars every time they show whatever movie that was in. I should get fifteen dollars because 
I coined that catchphrase long before that boy ever did. Anyway, by the way, folks, just so y'all know, I'm not totally stroked out sitting over here with my face all paralyzed and drool running down my chin and onto my neck. Uh, Daniel Craig was the uh, James Bond actor I was trying to think of a moment ago, back in the uh, This Date in History. Uh, uh, well, here I go, just, again, talking like some kind of stroked out drool boy. Back in the uh, This Day in History segment, Daniel Craig was who I was trying to think of, and I should know that. I'm a huge fan of the James Bond franchise in general. In fact, we've actually got some James Bond uh, shows, themes, whatever you want to call them, coming up in the future. I've already plotted those out on the list, so I'm definitely a James Bond fan. Let, let there be no mistake about it. I should have known that one. Um, I need y'all to do something right now, and, uh, if you remember from the last couple episodes, I told you to go get, go to your refrigerator, and get that, get that piece of paper off. Get that, get that piece of paper, and your pen, or your pencil, or like I said, a big sharpie's better. So, rush off, rush off, go on, go to your refrigerator and get it. I'll wait. All right, you got your paper. If not, you're poorly supplied because... I expect more from you people! That's right, I wish I had a Sam Kennison plug-in that I could just plug this in and make everything sound like Cam Sam Kennison was saying it. PayPal! PayPal! Get your supplies! Get together! And yeah, I just really peaked stuff out. So, anyway. I uh, hope you got that ready, because we're going to talk, and I'd like you guys to write something down. Write it down. We got some important housekeeping to take care of. Of course, as always, rantings of the fat man. Rantings of the fat man at yahoo.com. That's where you can reach us via email. But did you guys know, and it's my fault that I hadn't told you before, but we actually have, we hear it, rantings of the fat man. We have our own Instagram page. That's right. I've got some pictures up of me, the fat man. But I've also got some pictures up of something pretty neat. Um, two things I want to talk about. First of all, I was gifted for the first time in my life ever. I've always wanted one. I've always coveted them, but never possessed one. I now have a garden gnome. But I don't have a name for him. So I am currently running a contest. If you will go to Rantings of the Fat Man on Instagram, you will see the said gnome. And I need you all to think up a name for him. Make up a name for this little guy. He needs a name. And so the second thing I was going to tell you about, besides the Name the Gnome contest, ah. If you're a long-time listener of the show, which you better be or I'm going to come cut you, um, if you're a long-time listener of the show, 
you would know that for some reason my house has just become wild kingdom over the last few months. First we had the incursion of the possum. Possum was running around wreaking havoc. Haven't seen him in a while, but that doesn't mean he's not there. Uh, then we were inundated by mice. Sir Ralph. Poor Ralph. But I told y'all earlier, I think Ralph's gone to the big habitrail in the sky. But now, believe it or not, and I knew something was out there a couple weeks ago, I left a bag of peanuts in the shell, I kind of like them, out in the uh, backyard, not in the gazebo, because I like to sit out there because I can just flick my shells out in the bottom on the ground or over the rail or whatever. I don't have to clean them up. Well, I left the bag out there, and one time overnight, the bag was decimated. I mean... I went out there, the seat cushions were taken out of their chairs. All of the peanuts, the, the, the plastic bag they were in was just laying over, you know, 15 feet from the gazebo. And all along the tabletop was nothing but peanut shell holes where something or someone had gone through and eaten nothing but the... The, the peanuts. They left the shells. So, long story short, I, I figured it was a raccoon. Something has to have that much manual dexterity that it can, you know, crack the shells, eat the peanut, and leave the hole there behind. Well, I uh, got a game cam. And I put it up, and sure enough, just last night or night before last, it was verified. I have Ringo the raccoon, ring-tailed raccoon, running amuck on my property. He's knocking seat cushions down. He's eating peanuts. Uh, nothing you really do about it. I mean, there's no real poison. I guess you could get some strychnine or some arson or something, but that'll kill everything in the county if you don't do it right. Uh, I'm just going to do better and make sure there's nothing there for him to eat. And he's not going to want to party at my house anymore. But yeah, if you go to Rantings of the Fat Man on Instagram, I put up some video and uh, some still photos of Mr. Raccoon running amuck at my house. So that's there if you want to see it. And also participate in the Name the Gnome contest. That's Rantings of the Fat Man on Instagram. And rantingsofthefatman.com. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Scrap that. Rantingsofthefatman at yahoo.com. Maybe someday we'll have our own domain, but right now I don't feel like plunking down $10 for it. So, rantingsofthefatman on Instagram and rantingsofthefatman at yahoo.com for the email. Send me some mail, people. Send me some mail. All right going to move into our main segment of the day, and that is talking about Sir Alfred. Now, a lot of you probably never heard of Sir Alfred, and that's okay. I hadn't either till a while back. I saw this on a YouTube video, and uh, Sir Alfred is not his real name. That's something he, uh, that's a moniker he appointed himself. 
His real name is Mehran Karimi Nasseri. Hey, I did pretty good with the uh, foreign pronunciation there. He's he's an Iranian born in 1946. So that puts him around 73, 74 years old, depending upon his uh, birth month. But let me tell you a little bit about Mehran Karimi Nasseri. He was an individual who uh, one day showed up at the uh, international terminal of Charles de Gaulle Airport. And upon further examination, he realized he didn't have his documents for travel. No passport, no visa, no nothing, nothing. So, they said, eh, 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 nope, nope, Farouk, you ain't getting on no plane today. So they said, you're going to have to do something. Normally, you would think he would call the consulate and say, hey, I've misplaced my travel papers. Can you guys get a courier or something and send them over? Because they're not letting me board. In fact, they're not even letting me leave the airport. Because without said documents, I, of course, am in the country illegally. You would think that's what would happen. Nope. Mehran Karimi Nasseri did not leave the airport for 18 years. He lived in that terminal. Uh, airport personnel were very uh, kind and compassionate and understanding. Uh, the, the McDonald's there in the airport basically adopted him, fed him McDonald's food for 18 years. He lived in that terminal for the next 18 years. And his story... It's, it's sketchy and it changed from time to time because, as you can imagine, living in an airport for 18 years might fracture your mental psyche just a tad bit. So, his story, as he tells it, is that uh, he was born to an uh, Iranian woman. His father was a doctor from the United Kingdom. Uh, Wales or Ireland, I believe, was one of the two. It was one of the two. Um, or Scotland. I don't know. It, it wasn't, you know, just plain England, as we might say. It was either Wales, Scotland, or Ireland. And either way, that that's really not a point. Uh, but Allegedly, his father was a uh, a doctor there in Iran doing, you know, work for, like, Doctors Without Borders or something like that. They're on some humanitarian mission. Uh, impregnated his mom. And this is all in, the, you know, Iran. So, she gives birth. Well, at some point, he did... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, his mom gives birth. His mom's Iranian. And at some point, he has decided that he's bound and determined to seek out his birth mother in the United Kingdom. So he's flying over to go find her and track her down and meet her. But he gets derailed in Paris. He doesn't actually make the connecting flight to the UK. Because he does not have his travel documents. 
So he languishes for 18 years in this airport. He can't leave because if he leaves Charles de Gaulle, he's in the country illegally. Of course, he can't board a plane because he doesn't have any documents for entering said company, said company, said country, wherever he's going to. So, he lives there. And if this story sounds familiar, yes, uh, Steven Spielberg made a movie about this guy, well, based on this guy, starring Tom Hanks called The Terminal. And, uh, I remember the movie... I remember seeing the movie. I actually saw the movie, but I don't remember a whole lot about it. So, but anyway, over the course of these 18 years, Meron Karimi Nasseri slips into a bit of uh, emotional problems and brands himself Sir Alfred. He's no longer Meron He's Sir Alfred. He uh, appoints himself the title of Sir Alfred, and he lives in the airport. His days consist of, in the morning, he was very fastidious about hygiene. In the morning, before things got busy, he would go into the men's restroom and, you know, bathe himself via use of the sink, you know, washing up and making sure he did his tidy whities and all that. Uh, the folks at McDonald's pretty much took him in and fed him. Uh, he was a very avid reader. Uh, he would read airport... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He would read newspapers which were very available throughout the airport. Because you know when you go to the airport, especially an international airport, they have, well in those days when newspapers were in fashion, you know they would have newspapers from all over the world. You could buy, if you were from... Uzbekistan or wherever, you could probably find at the newsstand a newspaper from Uzbekistan. I mean, they just were really, really serious about stocking a lot of the world news and newspapers from around the world, from around the globe. So, Sir Alfred, as he's now known, was an avid reader of international news and books, novels, and... He lived there, and the longer he went there, the further his mental decay got. And then one day in, let's see, what year was it? He uh, actually got very, very ill, and they had to take him out uh, to the actual hospital. And let's see. I'm not sorry, I'm not sure the exact year, but anyway... He did have to leave. Now, here's what's funny, though. He weaved a tapestry of a tale that when he, when he was in Iran, he was, uh, he was vehemently opposed to the uh, reign of the Shah, the Shah of Iran, as were a lot of the people at that time, because the Shah of Iran was living like a king and a potentate while they were, you know, not doing so well. So anyway, he is... Again, just a demonstrator, not a fan of the Shaw. And he alleges that Savak, the uh, secret police there, be kind of like the Germans' equivalent to the Nazis or the Gestapo. He's adamant that the uh, Savak took him and 
imprisoned him for a year, year and a half, did all kinds of horrible torture things to him, which they may have. But as time went on and this guy's story started getting more and more attention, his family back in Iran said, hey, you know what? We know this guy. He's he's my brother. I think it was his sister came forward. He's my brother. Um, everything he's telling you is complete and utter BS. Um, he was never taken captive by Savak for a year or a year and a half. She said if he was taken captive, it was probably overnight or something like that because we don't remember him being gone for an extended period of time. And furthermore, it seems that the whole time he didn't have his travel documents, his theory was they were all in a briefcase, which he lost. But actually there, his his, uh, travel documents were actually the whole time sitting in Brussels, Belgium, uh, where he had forwarded them. His briefcase had not been lost or stolen, he actually forwarded his briefcase with travel documents to Brussels. So, uh, it's kind of, there There are so many weird loops, loopholes, and uh, things that just don't match up in his story. And it's kind of one of those things... His imprisonment, if you want to call it that, was definitely self-imposed and it corresponded and coincided with his own mental breakdown. And that is what the, the crux of the whole thing was, his mental breakdown. Now, if you want to know what happened to him ultimately, he was hospitalized because he got sicker than anything they could do there, and uh, French law allowed him to be moved from a hospital, even or from the airport to a hospital, I should say, even though he didn't have, you know, he didn't have sufficient uh, documents or papers. But they put him in the hospital and got him well again. I mean, eating 18 years of McDonald's, gee, you think he might have gotten ill? I don't know. But uh, there was a French human rights lawyer named Christian Bourget who in 1992 uh, ruled that having entered the country illegally, he could not be expelled from the airport and they couldn't grant him permission to enter in France. So anyway, that goes on for another three years. Uh, In 1995, the Belgian, where they found his documents at the Belgian consulate, the Belgian authorities granted permission for him to travel to Belgium, but only if he agreed to live there under the supervision of a social worker because they could tell, eh, something ain't right with Nazi. He's got some problems. Sir Alfred, you know, is, is a couple, couple of uh, bulbs off plum, as we would say. Uh, France and Belgium, they both offered him residency, but he refused to sign the papers because they listed him as being Iranian, and they listed him in his correct name. And because the papers did not say Sir Alfred Meron, he refused to sign the documents to allow him to leave the airport and live in either 
France, or Belgium. And uh, his lawyer, Bourget, was really just like, I'm about to throw my hands up and just, just wash my hands of you because you're being difficult. And then in 03 is when they made the movie The Terminal about him. And he actually uh, continued in the to live in the airport until 06. That's when he was hospitalized. And uh, as soon as he was hospitalized, the, the airport personnel went and cleaned out where he'd been living because he had kind of been, for lack of a better term, a tourist attraction. Everybody that entered the airport wanted to go see this man, or I, sh I say everybody, everybody that knew about it because... In France and in the circles of people that traveled a lot internationally, they'd talk about him on planes. Hey, well, you know, hey, have you, you heard about that, you know, that goofy bastard over there in France that won't leave the airport, that lives in the airport? And they're like, well, let's check. So, anyway. So, yeah, he went to, uh, in 2007, he went to the Amal Charity Reception Center in Paris's 20th arrondissement. And since 2008, he lived in a Paris shelter. 18-year um, stay in the, in the uh, airport. And, uh, and he spent most of his time, you know, studying economics and writing in his diary. Uh, in 04, when all of this is over, let me... I'm, this story is so convoluted. You know, I'm trying... I'd like to give you all a really cohesive and easy to follow story about this but it's not there were so many twists and turns in it i'm i'm making it as simple as i can not that you good folks are simple but it's just that you know i don't want you guys to sit down and have to get that paper and draw out a flow chart so but anyway um in 04 he wrote his his autobiography not really uh, too original. It's called The Terminal Man. After he was, there was already a movie called The Terminal about him. Um, it was co-written by Nasseri and British author Andrew Donkin. And uh, it, was, it says, profoundly disturbing and brilliant. So, more than, more so than just a guy that allegedly lost his documents which he had forwarded to a third-party country, that he, everybody can't, and he's never said, why Brussels? Why did you send it to Brussels? You had no intention of visiting Brussels. You, you were going to the UK to find your birth mom. And meanwhile, his, uh, his family at home said, yeah, that's BS. Um, he is not the product of a traveling doctor. Uh, his mom and dad are the same as my mom and dad. So, yeah, it's a situation where, yeah, they just said that this is all fabricated in his mind. And in an attempt to kind of disassociate himself, they think, is where he came up with the Sir Alfred title. Like I said, he would not sign the documents that would allow him to leave he could have left and he could have basically gone anywhere once he got his documents from Brussels. He could have gone anywhere, but he refused to sign because they did not have Sir Alfred imprinted on them. So he was like, nope, if I'm not Sir Alfred, 
A, I'm not going to sign these, and B, it wouldn't be legal because I am Sir Alfred. And it just went on and on, back and forth like that for years. But right now, where is he? That's anybody's guess. A lot of people say he did go on to the UK and lives in London. A lot of people say he lives in France. They're in Paris. And a lot of people say he's homeless in Paris. So nobody really knows what the outcome of Sir Alfred is. It's kind of a toss-up. But as weird as that is, I'm going to throw y'all one more story about somebody living in the airport who still lives there. And that is a guy who lives in the... Uh, airport of uh in sao paulo brazil and he he's a bit different now he's not he wasn't asked to live there now he's been he's still there he's still going on 20 years he is a man who is mentally ill and apparently in other countries now here in the united states they won't allow you to do it because most of the time the airport is owned by a state or local or some sort of municipal government or maybe even the federal government. So they won't allow you to do that because you're trespassing on uh, government property. But this guy has lived there for some 20 years in the airport in Sao Paulo. And his name is Dennis Luiz de Souza. He's a Brazilian national. And... Um, like I said, his his tale might even be more tragic because he is, you know, he's, he's, he's uh, mentally incapacitated. And he really doesn't have anywhere to go. So around 2000, the year 2000, he had frequent conflicts of home, at home and, you know, he just started living in the airport. And... He's illiterate. He cannot read or write. And uh, he, he still is there to this date. To, as we speak, he's sitting in the... Uh, I'm going to try to read it. I'm, I'm horrible at uh, foreign pronunciations, as I've told you folks in the past. He's at Sao Paulo, Guaralos International Airport there in Brazil. And I'll, I'll spell that for you and you guys can try it. G-U-A-R... U-L-H-O-S, Guarol, yeah, yeah, I can't even begin to touch that one. But he's still there. And uh, now, legally, he can come and go as he needs to or wants to. He can legally come and go as needed. But he doesn't. Um, once a year, uh, the staff chips in. or They said a commander. Now, I don't know what a commander is. I don't know if that's a military uh, military designation or if it's somebody there that runs the uh, airport. But once a year on Christmas, maybe so they just won't have to deal with him and they can all go home on Christmas. Once a year on Christmas, they put him up in a hotel and give him room service. And they let him, you know, he because normally he sleeps on the little uh, chairs where we all sit and wait for our outbound flight. But once a year on Christmas, they take up a collection, and he goes to a hotel, gets room service, eats food, 
again, something about McDonald's just loves the story of these people because McDonald's personnel basically adopt them and give them all kinds of stuff. Now, unlike Sir Alfred, he's not really big on hygiene. He bathes once or twice a month, if that. So he'll get to smelling kind of funky. So you can smell the funk of Dennis Louise as you approach him, probably at about 20 feet out. But he's still there. Of course, obviously, there's, he, there's, there, there's an instance of mental illness about that. And uh, they've offered so many times, you know, hey, let us, you know, let us put you in a home or something, which... Although having been to a nursing home, not even not e- not not an insane asylum, but having been to a nursing home here, here in the United States, there is no way I would go into that facility. Not ever. I would die in the streets, homeless, before I would ever be committed to a nursing home, based upon what I have seen visiting my aunt uh, and my cousin. I just. I mean, there's no way to tell you the deplorable condition that these nursing homes are in. And the state doesn't have the backbone or the teeth or something to go in and make them clean them up. Or maybe the state feels, hey, you know what, that's good enough. At least you're not out on the street. I'd rather be on the street, based on. But let me, let me, let, let's get back to what we're talking about and let me get off my soapbox about the horrible horrible conditions of nursing homes in the United States. But he's not the only one. Now, this guy's been there 20 years, Dennis has been. That's that's longer than Sir Alfred. There's another guy that's kind of funny. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He is in China. And, uh, yeah, here we go. His name is Wei, and I'm going to I'm gonna spell this. I'm not even going to try it. Way, W-E-I is his first name. Way, I, I pretty much got that. I mean, I'm not completely stupid and illiterate. But his last name is J-I-N, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, J-I-A-N-G-U-O. And Bingo was his name, oh, sorry. But uh, yeah, J-I-N-G-U-O. So Way, Django, that's what I'm going to call him, Django. But anyway, no, he went to the airport, uh... 11 years ago, he's still there. He's still there. It's 2012. He's been there 12 years ago, 2008. And the only reason he went there is he was kind of like a homeless guy. He's like, it's government property. Of course, being in China, well, isn't everything government property? But anyway, he's like, they can't kick me out. And the whole reason he went there is because he wanted to smoke and drink booze without his family giving him a hard time. And he had some difficulty finding work. So one day he's just like, checks it all. Like, I'm going to the airport. And he still gets his stipend from the uh, Chinese government, which is equal to about 150 a month. And that's what he uses for his food. And they say this boy drinks like a fish. I mean, he's just up to the gills every day, chugging down the booze. And so it's, you know, kind of one of those things. So he's like, you know what, family? 
Good old family, y'all don't want me? So what? So be it. I'm going to go to the airport. I can drink and smoke and do everything I want to do, and there's not a thing y'all can do about it. And he's, he's still there. So those are the stories of three people. I, I know if you're like me, any time in an airport is time you don't don't like. I mean, I mean, sure, it's great, you know, in, ta in anticipation of taking your vacation and everything. You don't mind spending 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. But uh, 18 years, no. So that's pretty much going to wrap up our, our episode. Don't forget to stay for the uh, bonus, bonus story. Um, it's not quite as good as last week's or the week before, but it's okay. I mean, it's bonus. It's not costing you anything. So stick around and listen to that. Uh, you guys have a great day. By the way, I'm going to go ahead and put out something here. This was supposed to air on Sunday, uh, the 20th. We had some uh, technical difficulties, so it may not actually drop. Had some difficulties getting it uploaded to the provider, so it may not show until Monday the 21st. I'll, uh, if you, if you learn about this through YouTube and stuff, I'm sorry, through, uh, Facebook, uh, I'll wait till I know it's up and then I'll, I'll post the notices. So it might, you guys might not get this until Monday the 21st. Stick around, uh, listen to that, you know, Marvel bonus story and you guys are the best. I can't begin to, uh, tell you how much I appreciate you guys as, uh, listeners uh, please, rantings of the fat man at yahoo.com and rantings of the fat man on Instagram. Look at the pictures. You can see me when I was young and lean, and you can see some pictures of uh, Runaway Ralph, the little mouse that just passed away, and things like that. Um, look over the fan page. You might like it. Let's again, uh, Rantings of the Fat Man on Instagram and Rantings of the Fat Man at Yahoo.com. You guys are the best, and I'll have something for you. Don't forget Midweek Minis. Uh, apparently, I'll put it this way Midweek Mini, as far as listener support goes, I'm getting a lot more hits per day on Midweek Mini than I am on this show, which tells me maybe. I'm running a little long. I, I'm definitely running long on this episode. I don't even have to... I haven't even started to edit. Um, but I, I'm definitely running long here. So uh, I'm going to let you guys go. I appreciate it. Check back with me. Uh, Wednesday, and I can almost guarantee that one's going to be in the bag on Wednesday because it's almost done. Midweek minis. Again, we're continuing our series on westerns. TV shows of the great six of the sixties. Great, great TV show of the TV show. I can't even talk. Maybe I did have a stroke. I don't know. Anyway, midweek minis on Wednesday. Uh, again, we look at some of the greatest uh, Western television shows of the sixties. So, guys, tune in. I again, I thank you so much, and make it a great week. And I'll see you next time.
looks like you guys stuck around, so I appreciate that. Can't ask for much more. Really appreciate the loyalty of these uh, devoted fans here that stick around for this little bonus story. Uh, this one takes us back a while. I'm not sure how long ago it was. It was quite a while back, at least 10 years, probably a little more. Um, back in the uh, days when we, we used to hang out, we used to go out a lot. We were always at Buffalo Wild Wings. I mean, seven nights a week, always there, no matter what. Uh, loved the college football. Eh, not really big NFL fans, but we loved our college football. And, uh, of course, uh, the greatest college football player ever. A lot of people are going to start screaming, you know, Barry Sanders, Barry Sanders, Barry Sanders. Nope, not even close. Not even close. Uh, greatest college football player ever, Doug Flutie. I mean, there's just, just no two ways about it. It's not even up for debate. No discussion. Nothing. It's just, it, it, it's just a given. So, anyway... Uh, I'm at the Buffalo Wild Wings here on in Oklahoma City on Northwest Highway, and my friend Brad is out of town. He actually had to go out of town for business to, uh, of all places, Miami. Now, if you know anything at all about college football and greatness, you know what happened in Miami. That's right. That's where Dougie faded back, planted his right foot, and threw his way into infamy. I mean, bam. That was it. Dougie cemented his role, his everything. Best college football player ever earned at that moment when he threw that long pass against Miami to Gerard Phelan down in the end zone. Well, we had a theory, me and my friend. He was going to Miami, and I had this theory, and uh, the theory was pretty simple. If we could get some dirt from the place where Dougie made the throw, you know, our lives would just change for the better. I mean, fame and fortune, glory, riches would just befall on us just simply for owning a piece of that dirt. I mean, we'd be able to see the future, at least, you know, four or five minutes in advance. Probably, you know, lay hands and heal small farm animals. I don't know. So, it was his job to go and procure some of the sacred ground. So, he calls me when he's in Miami. I'm sitting at the Buffalo Wild Wings, of course. And he said, we got a problem. I was like, hold on. I said, I pulled it up on the internet. He was like on about the 45, you know, over towards that hash mark, you know, closest to the, uh, I can't remember which team it was. And then he said, it's gone. I said, what? What do you mean? What, what's gone? He said, the Orange Bowl. I said, you know, what? It, it, did they just remove the lines so you can't figure out where he was standing? He's like... No, dude, it's gone. I was like, it can't be. He's like, it's gone. There's just a chain link fence surrounding a great big humongous hole. It's gone. Now, at this point, I don't know. 
I don't know what to do. I'm just speechless. I don't know. I don't know if I should cry. I don't know if I should be outraged. I'm just. I, I I'm just. I'm just totally in shock. I mean, like catatonic. I have no. At this point, I have no rudder in life. Everything on which I was depending had just been snatched away. And so I'm like, wait, now, now surely, b back up, say that again. I was like, he said, it's gone. It's just a big hole, a chain link fence. He said, the GPS in my rental car told me exactly where it was. It said drive here, and I can tell it probably used to be here, but uh, no, there is nothing here right now. Not a thing. So, you know, at that point, there wasn't really much more to do. I guess get some, get some more chicken wings and sit there and just, you know, ponder about how your life was going to be in the crapper from that day forward. Which, by the way, self-fulfilling prophecy, pretty much. So, but I just wanted to share that little brief bit of uh, history with you folks today because we're getting into the college football season and uh, I just thought I'd like to share that with you. Hope you all have a great week and uh, don't forget midweek min <laughs> midweek minis coming out on Wednesday hopefully and uh, check back with us then. You guys are the best and we'll see you with an upcoming episode in seven to ten days. Take care and uh, check back with us soon.